Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations, Episode 15, High-Ranking Engineers. There's many a lass of the scientist clan that has followed her brief in the field. She has sworn, she has cursed, been ignored and abused, but a scientist never can yield. I am Frances M. Lynch, the Artistic Director of Electric Voice Theatre, and you are most welcome to the 15th episode of our podcast series, Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations. This march by Mary Maxwell Campbell signals the military flavour of today's episode, which is in honour of the first woman to gain her stripes, aircraft instrument engineer, Corporal Lillian Bader, who was born in Liverpool on February the 18th, 1918, and who struggled to do her bit for World War II, finally won her a place in the Women's Auxiliary Air Force in 1941. We are joined by Warrant Officer Alison Fisher, who considers her contrasting experiences as an aircraft engineer climbing the ranks in the RAF with science historian Dr Patricia Farah, Emeritus Fellow of Clare College, Cambridge. We hear a lot nowadays about the difficulties faced by young women who want to become a scientist or an engineer. And of course, the challenges are even greater for black, Asian, minority ethnic groups. 70 years ago, during the Second World War, the situation was still tougher, but some determined pioneers did break through the barriers. One of them was Lillian Bader, an orphan whose father came from Barbados and had been brought up in a convent. She felt strongly about contributing to the war effort, so she found a job in an Air Force canteen. But after a few weeks, she was fired on the flimsy grounds that her father had been born outside the UK. She kept on trying and eventually joined the Women's Auxiliary Air Force, where she trained as an instrument repairer. Although she had only a basic education, she worked her way up and became the first woman to win her corporal stripes, although getting the permission proved a bureaucratic nightmare. My name is Ali Fisher, and I'm the warrant officer of 207 Squadron, which at the moment is an F-35B squadron, one of the cutting edge and the latest aircraft we have in the Royal Air Force. I joined the Air Force in 1984 as a mechanic, airframe mechanic, and worked my way up through the ranks to where I am today, which is a warrant officer engineer. Like Lillian Bader, you left school and went straight into work. I was 17 and three weeks old when I joined the Air Force, and I'd always liked the engineering side of things, and science interested me. Although, as females, we were never pushed that way. I didn't want to go to university. Somebody suggested the Air Force. Airframe mechanic was one of the openings, so I decided that's what I wanted to do. One of my uncles was in the Navy and I did actually look at joining the Navy first but they, both and, and the Army, didn't take on female engineers at the time. 
that was partly Lillian Bader's problem as well, because she wanted to join the army, and exactly as you said, she couldn't. And then she heard an interview on the radio that West Indian people were eligible to join the Air Force, which is why she chose to go there. She was in the Women's Auxiliary Air Force group, so she was surrounded by women. She was the only black woman. Has that changed? I know we try and recruit heavily, but it's quite unusual to find a BIM engineer female. There is BIM women in the Air Force, so um, it's not a case of that there isn't any. I think perhaps people don't realise that you can join the Air Forces and female engineers. I think that's the issue. I've got a sergeant mechanic and a senior aircraft woman mechanic, and I've also got a leading hand avionics navy girl and a young AT avionics girl. The girls that joining up now don't have the same problems that I did when I was 17 back in 1984. I've been the only female on quite a few of the squadrons that I've worked on. When I first joined the Air Force, it was the sergeants and above didn't like women and openly told me they didn't think women should be in the engineering world. But I went out to prove that I was just as good as any man that I worked with or even better. A lot of women say that they have to show that they're a bit better than the men in order to survive. And once you've done that, do they accept you? Yes. As I gained more experience and gained more ranks, my reputation spoke for itself. In the modern day era that we're in now, we don't have that kind of problem anymore. That's all been eradicated. I'll admit, I know very little about aeroplanes, but I do know that Lillian Bader worked on several types. She worked on Blenheims, Hawker Hurricanes, and probably Whitley's as well. How different were they from the sort of aeroplanes that you've been working on? Every aircraft is made up of the same components, but now, because they've evolved, Obviously, the fast jets that I've worked on are a lot more engineered than what the old aeroplanes were. The outside skins have changed, so a lot of the metal aircraft have become carbon fibre aircraft to make them more lightweight. But the actual internals of every aircraft are basically the same. The systems are made up of the same components. So she was an instrument repairer and you're an airframe engineer. I'm, I'm afraid I'm not quite sure what an airframe engineer is. Airframes are all the structure of the aircraft, so that includes all the skin on the outside, all the undercarriages, all the hydraulic system, and the propulsion part of it is the engine. So I'm engines and airframes, whereas the instruments side of it is more or less avionics. So it'd be cockpit gauges, maybe some of the radar stuff that's on there the height, everything that records things, that's the instruments and the rest of it, the airframe and engines, that's what I specialise in. I imagine that your work was quite similar to hers in that you both have to check the aeroplanes before they go off and you also have to repair them when things go wrong. I had to repair a couple of aircraft, one in Iraq and one in Jordan, the aircraft had to get out of their quick smart. So I did a gearbox change on one of them and then repaired a hydraulic pipe on another one. An Italian tornado messed up his lowering of the undercarriage. 
So when he came in to land, he had no wheels to land on and ripped the Honda carriage off. I was part of a Cat 3 specialisation team, so I rebuilt the whole of that undercarriage and the aircraft was back flying. I know very little about ranks and the Air Force, but I know that Lillian Bader became a leading aircraft woman. And she was the first woman, not just the first black woman, the first woman to be made a corporal in the Royal Air Force. I know you're a squadron warrant officer. Perhaps you could explain exactly what that means. I'm responsible for all the standards and practices on 207 Squadron. I'm also responsible for around 150 personnel, all their welfare needs. I make sure they're doing their job properly. They're in the correct attire, the correct PPE to make it safe for them. I can sign off the aircraft as serviceable. As a ground engineer, I'm at the top of the game. This has been one of the most important times of my life. Setting a squadron up from virtually nothing, it's been probably the most challenging job I've had. To see the squadron now, I get quite emotional when I see it now where it's come from you know from from nothing and now it's built up and it's just growing in stature it's quite a nice feeling Lillian's work was only publicly recognized when she was in her 90s because in 2018 special celebrations were held to commemorate female suffrage I thought it was one of my lads messing about he told me that I was going to be receiving an MBA and she was one of eight black women honoured for their special contribution to British history and she appeared in interviews for radio and television it was in recognition for the stuff that I've done out on ops and also every year I've done something different for different charities last year I ran 2070 miles one of the things which I haven't been able to see is at the Imperial War Museum there's a tapestry that Lillian Bader made, presumably while she was out on service. I'm actually a um, level two England boxing coach, black belt in taekwondo. I ride horses and I run marathons. Lillian went to York. I was stationed in Germany for two years. RAF Melksham in Wiltshire. in Cyprus. RAF Shawbury in Shropshire. I've been on detachments all across the USA. RAF Condover in Shropshire. Norway, RAF Boston Down in Dorset. Holland, Belgium. Italy. Her father came from Barbados. The most dangerous experience was Afghanistan. I was in the Balkans war when I was on helicopters and we lost a helicopter and unfortunately all the crew were killed on that helicopter. So that was quite a difficult time. I think you just accept that that is part and parcel of the job that you've chosen to do. During the D-Day landings, Lillian Bader's husband, Ramsey, was one of the few black men that was involved, and she was absolutely petrified that he just wouldn't come back. Ramsey is waiting to go ashore at There's always a constant risk with the job that if something goes wrong, it tends to generally go very wrong. I've absolutely embraced every single part of it, even the bad times. I remember being in a Puma helicopter and all the captions came on. You could hear the alarms going off and we had to land straight away in the farmer's field. 
Otherwise, we would have crashed. God to When I first joined up, you had to get permission off your commanding officer to get married. You had to leave if you were pregnant. Lillian Bader had to resign when she became pregnant. But now there are single mothers, they have maternity leave, and paternity leave. Back in the old days, we were always referred to as Doris. These days, everybody calls me Ali. I haven't really had a nickname. Lillian's nickname was Cherry. She was very proud of being called Cherry, I think because it showed she was accepted. Cherry falls to her knees in supplication Pleading for him whom her faithful heart loves best Lillian was forced to retire when she was much younger than you are after a much shorter period of service. But she went on to study for a university degree in English and then she became a teacher. For women in general, I think she's an absolutely fantastic role model. To be the first female to actually get her tapes paved the way for everybody behind her. To look at her and go, well, I could do that. For females, I think she was an absolute pioneer in the engineering world. Even if it just inspires one female to follow in Lillian and mine's footsteps, that would be fantastic. I think you're both role models for life, not just for female engineers. <laughs> I've actually absolutely loved everything that it's thrown at me. Azalea by Amanda Ira Aldridge, 1866-1956, which was published under her pseudonym Montague Ring. She, like Bader, faced discrimination and supported her singing students in their struggles for human rights. One of these was Paul Robeson, Corporal Bader's favourite singer. My performance of the song is an adaptation of the words in order to tell the story of Lillian and her husband Ramsay. Many thanks to our speakers Dr Patricia Farah and Warrant Officer Ali Fisher, RAF Squadron 207, all those who've helped in discovering the story of Corporal Lillian Bader, and many thanks to you for listening. That's the end of episode 15. There are many more fascinating stories and music on minervascientifica.co.uk and do join us for the next episode of Women in Science and Music 30 Celebrations when we will meet an astronomer who began her starry career singing and directing music by Handel. Oh,